the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. First Peter 4.11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Speak with that authority. Speak as if you're speaking from God. Use the word of God. The greatest advantage to being Jewish was that God Almighty gave them the highest honor by entrusting them with his own unique self-revelation. There is no greater honor than that. His word was entrusted to them. And it consisted not only of commandments, he doesn't mean just the law, it's not just commandments, but also predictions, prophecies, promises to the Jewish people. If the Jews were the custodians of God's word back in the Apostle Paul's time, who are the custodians today? Well, clearly, it is the church. For 2,000 years, the church has preserved and proclaimed God's word. That is a tremendous honor and an awesome responsibility. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is guiding us through the first three chapters of the book of Romans. In our last class, we began to delve into the truths found in chapter 3, and today we will continue to examine those opening verses of chapter 3. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His practical, expository messages make the transition from pulpit to radio through the work of verse-by-verse ministries. It has been well said that going to church will no more make you a Christian than going to a garage will make you a car. So does that mean it won't do any good for an unsaved person to go to church? Well, let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 3, verse 2. Just as there is indeed an advantage to being a Jew, there are also benefits to going to church. Here's Pastor Steve to tell us why. You know, when I was first saved... Uh, and people found out that I was Jewish, Christians, that is, they would make a big fuss about it, a big deal about it. The question that Paul's opponents are asking, and it's a good question for us to find out the answer to, is what's the big deal to being Jewish? Is it really that important to be Jewish? If it can't get you to heaven, then why the fuss over it? Well, the answer is found in verse 2. The objection is this. So what? If circumcision doesn't do anything as far as eternity is concerned, then, then why are we distinct? Why are we different? Why has God made us unique? What's the advantage of being Jewish? Paul says in verse 2, great in every respect. Let's stop there for a minute. Great in every respect. Now, Paul doesn't go into it at this point how great it was, but he does in Romans chapter 9, verse 4. Paul says it is important. It won't get you to heaven, but don't conclude that it's not important. Great in every respect. 
Romans chapter 9, verse 4 and 5 says, Who are Israelites, to whom belong the adoption of sons, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the temple service, and the promises, who are the fathers, and from whom is the Messiah, according to the flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen, Paul says. Great in every respect, God gave them his glory. God gave them his temple. Through them, the Messiah came. God gave them his law, all these things. God gave them his protection. God gave them his, his care. God gave them his concern. So Paul says, in every respect, it was great. In fact, Amos chapter 3, verse 2 says to the nation of Israel, God speaking, you only have I known among all the families of the earth. Now, does God mean you're the only people I know about? No, the word know means intimacy. Intimacy in the Old Testament would say that so-and-so knew his wife. Does it mean that he shook hands and said, nice to meet you? No, it means that intimate sexual relationship. And God is saying, you, Israel, of all the families of the earth, you're the only one that I'm intimate with. Psalm 147, verse 20 says, he has not dealt with thus with any nation, you're the only nation that he's dealt this way with. What is the advantage to being Jewish? Great in every respect. God has dealt with them uniquely. God has given them his care, his protection, his adoption, his glory, his temple, his law, his Messiah, his prophets. Great in every way. But he says, first of all, look at Romans 3.2, great in every respect. Great in every respect. First of all, and he doesn't mean here first in the long line of things, because he's not going to tell us anything more than first of all. It means chiefly or primarily or, or first in importance of all the things that, that are beneficial to being Jewish. The most important thing is that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. That, my friend, is a very sober statement. The greatest advantage to being Jewish is that the Jew had in his possession the Word of God. In fact, when it says entrusted, it means they were made custodians of his Word. The expression, the oracles of God, really means the Old Testament Scriptures. That's the way it's used in the New Testament. Hebrews 5.12 speaks about you ought to know the first principles of the oracles of God. What does it mean? You ought to know the truths of the Word of God, the basic principles 1 Peter 4.11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Speak with that authority. Speak as if you're speaking from God. Use the word of God. The greatest advantage to being Jewish was that God Almighty gave them the highest honor by entrusting them with his own unique self-revelation. There is no greater honor than that. His word was entrusted to them. And it consisted not only of commandments, he doesn't mean just the law, it's not just commandments, but also predictions, prophecies, promises to the Jewish people. Now let's stop there for a moment and see if we could apply this. There are two things that stand out in my mind. For the unsaved person who comes to church, what is the advantage to coming to church? What is the advantage to, to being involved in a church like ours if you don't know Christ? Well, it's not getting to heaven by being here. It's not just that you meet nice people. The greatest advantage to sitting week after week and not knowing Christ, but sitting in a church like ours, is that you get to hear and know the Word of God. 
In fact, that's really the only advantage. There is no other advantage. What advantage is it to be called a Christian, even if you're not a Christian? Great in every respect, primarily. It's because you have the opportunity to hear the word of God, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't become a believer apart from the truths of the word of God. Let's apply it, though, to Christians. As I read this, I thought, you know, it's so easy for us to take the word of God for granted, isn't it? I mean, I've got 14 or 15 versions of the Bible in my office. I have so many versions of the Bible, I don't even remember all the versions I have of the Bible. I don't know if you appreciate the Bible that you have. I don't know as I appreciate the Bible that I have. We often take God's word for granted. We're so used to it. We can go to almost any store, even a secular bookstore, and buy a Bible. I bought my first Bible in Miami in a department store. I wonder if we really appreciate this great privilege. You see, back in Paul's day, the Gentiles didn't have the oracles of God. They didn't have the word of God. All the Gentiles had was the revelation of God in nature and conscience, but the Jews have the detailed knowledge about God written down. And you know, there are places in the world that they don't have the Bible like we do. You ought to appreciate it. You ought to cherish the Word of God. Not worship it. We worship the God of the Word, not the Word of God. But we love it. We love it. And we do cherish it. Because it, it is the revealed mind of God in written form. The Jew had the opportunity, the greatest opportunity, to know and obey God, greater than anyone else did. And that was their supreme advantage over the Gentiles. They understood what God was communicating. But they failed to make use of this advantage, and that's the tragedy. And that is implied in what Paul is saying. The greatest advantage is they had the Word of God, but did they live up to the Word of God? No. Why was the word of God given primarily to lead one to faith in the Lord? Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he says, Timothy, from a child you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you what? Wise unto salvation. Remember the Sadducees who came to Jesus and tried to trip him up, and he said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. You, you're in mistake. You don't know the scriptures. You had them. You had them in your possession, but you don't know them. How Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. You may believe it, believe it intellectually, but if you really trusted the word of God, you would have believed me, trusted me, because Moses wrote of me. You really don't believe it. How about in Luke chapter 16, remember the rich man and Lazarus? who went to Hades, one was in, in torment and one was in bliss. And the rich man says, look, Lord, go send, or he says to Abraham, go send Lazarus back to my brothers and, and warn them. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Even if there was a miracle of someone rising from the dead, that wouldn't convince them not to come to this place. That wouldn't change anything. They have 
the word of God, Moses and the prophets, which means the totality of the Old Testament scriptures, let them hear them. Why? Because if they hear them, they'll escape this torment. That's all they need. Not a miracle, but they need the word of God. But sadly enough, the Jews of Paul's day and, and quite frankly, the Jewish people of our day have substituted their traditions for God's word. Today, it's the Talmud, which is rabbinical interpretations of laws applied to social issues of life. And most rabbis spend more time studying the Talmud than the Bible. That's just the fact. They don't study the Word of God. You see, along with advantages go responsibilities. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is expected. God entrusted the Jew with his word to be obeyed, to be believed, to be held in, in high esteem, to be held in honor, to be transmitted to others. But were they faithful to that trust? No. No, they were not. So the Jew had the advantage of, the, of possessing God's word, but that presents another problem, another objection. And follow this thinking. If the primary advantage of being Jewish is that they have the Word of God, then what if they're not faithful to the Word of God? What if they don't believe it? What if they don't practice it? What if they don't honor it? So what if they have the truth? But what if they're not faithful to the truth? And you see, that constitutes the second objection that Paul deals with. Objection number two in verse three. Now follow that thinking. Look, the greatest advantage is they have the Word of God, but the Jew says, but wait a minute, Paul, you told us they're not faithful to the Word of God, so what? Look at verse 3. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? In other words, Paul, are you saying that if some of the Jewish people weren't faithful in carrying out and obeying the Word of God, then God's promises to them won't be fulfilled? Is that what you're saying? Because God has given many great promises. He's, he's told Israel that there's going to be a coming kingdom. He's told the nation of Israel there's a coming Messiah. He's told the nation of Israel they're going to reign with the Messiah. They're going to be, there's a, there's a great future for them. There's promises of a reigning Messiah, a literal messianic kingdom, a bright and wonderful future. And Paul, if you're telling us that in the, in the word of God which tells us of these promises... That that's our greatest advantage, but you've told us we don't keep the word of God. Is God going to go back on his promise? That's a good question, too. You see, the entire history of Old Testament Israel is filled with disobedience. Not just, not just you know, isolated incidences, but filled with disobedience, unbelief, unfaithfulness to the word of God. In fact, it is unique and rare when you find obedience in Israel's part. And the question that the Jew asks in Romans 2 is, does Israel's unfaithfulness render God's plan for them inoperative? Now that is a good question. What happens to Israel? They didn't believe for the most part. Oh, there were, there's always been a remnant, but for the most part they didn't believe. Will God keep these promises of a, of a Messiah, of a reigning kingdom, of a bright future for Israel? Will God keep the promises of the Old Testament to the Jews when the Jews have not been faithful to his word? Will God be faithful to them when they've been unfaithful to him? 
That's the issue. In, in chapter 2, Paul said, you've been unfaithful. You haven't obeyed the law. You haven't understood what circumcision was about. You haven't been examples to the Gentiles. They blasphemed God because of you and your behavior. Now, I want you to understand something. In verse 3, even though it's translated, at least in my version, it's translated, if some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? I, I really think it ought to be translated rather than, than not believe, unfaithful. I think that's the thought there. I think it involves unbelief, but I don't think that's really the issue here. I think the issue is the contrast between the unfaithfulness of Israel and the faithfulness of God. And you can translate it that way. That would be proper in the Greek language. So I think what he's saying is if, if Israel is unfaithful, will God be unfaithful to them? You see, the Jews believed intellectually in the word of God. They just refused to submit to its truths. They refused to yield in obedience to its principles. They believed it, but they were unfaithful to it. And there is a world of difference. They know the truth, but they were unfaithful in carrying out its responsibilities. And so the question is, if some of the Jews were unfaithful to God, is God now going to be unfaithful to them? Dr. Donald Barnhouse, in his commentary on Romans, has a paragraph on, on this question, this question posed in verse 3, that I, I really think captures the heart of what Paul is, is being asked. Let me read it to you. He says, Shall the neglect of that truth render my plan inoperative? Shall the fact that like, like swine they have trampled pearls beneath their feet? Shall that change the, the pearls to pebbles? Shall the oracle cease to be divine because the keeper of the oracles becomes drunken? Shall fickleness in man destroy constancy in God? Will the faithlessness in man cancel the faithfulness in God? Will the Lord of heaven cease to care for man because man has become careless? Shall the introduction of a lie change the nature of truth? That's what they're saying. You know what Paul's answer is? And I think Paul shouted this in his mind when he wrote it down. Verse 4. May it never be. Now that doesn't carry the, the gist of what he's saying. That doesn't convey the horror of this statement in the original Greek language. It's the, ex the expression of Paul's heart that carries utter shock and, and utter disgust. And what he's really saying is this, no, 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 a thousand times no. You could translate it, God forbid, perish the thought, don't even think such a thought. Don't even let it enter your mind. And then he says in verse 4, rather let God be true than every man be found a liar. Don't even think, rather, rather think this, that, that every man can lie but never God. What he's saying is, even if every person in the world lied and was unfaithful to God, God would still be true. In spite of the, the faithlessness of every Jew to keep his promise, to love God and obey him, God still keeps his. In spite of the fact that Israel pretended to love God, do what he said, in spite of the fact that they said that and they didn't, God still will not break his promise to Israel. And then Paul quotes in verse 5, or rather the end of verse 4, he quotes David in Psalm 51.4. When David was confessing his sin to the Lord, David was confessing his, his sin that he, had, that he had had relations with Bathsheba, that he had basically murdered her husband, that he had schemed, he had lied. And David says this, that thou mightest be justified in thy words and mightest prevail when thou art judged. 
Now, Paul quotes King David, the greatest king that Israel's ever had, to prove one point. What's the point? David was guilty of adultery. David was guilty of murder. But when David confessed his sin, he confessed that God was correct, that God could not be blamed, that he had been, been faithless to God. He was the one who was wrong, not God. And what he was saying is God is never to be blamed. You see, David understood this, that God is always, always true. God is one of integrity. God is, is never one who can be accused of, of any wrongdoing. God can never be indicted. God is blameless. He is always faithful to his word. He is righteous. That's the point. David is saying, I'm the one who's wrong. I'm the one who's unfaithful. God is always true. God is always righteous. Now, let's stop here for a minute. Why is that important for us to know? Why, you say, so what? And I told you it's a little bit difficult applying these things. But why is this important? Maybe something you've never thought of. Of course, maybe something you have thought of. I'll tell you why it's important to study these things. If God ever goes back on one promise to the Jew, then how do you know he won't go back on one promise to you? See, that's why it's important to study God's dealings with Israel. Not just so that we learn about prophecy. Not just so that we know what's going to happen in God's timetable. But if God is unfaithful to Israel, believe me, he's going to be unfaithful to you. And this is a crucial question. Now, Paul doesn't answer how God is going to fulfill these promises to Israel at this point. He'll do that in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And that is exciting that God's going to take a remnant. And he says, all Israel will be saved. God is going to fulfill his promises to, to Israel. Romans chapter 11 says this. Has God cast away his people? And that is a crucial question. Has God cast away Israel? And I want you to know that many in Christian circles say, yes, he has. Covenant theology, that is the error of covenant theology, which says, yes, God has cast away his people and has substituted them now with the church. But Paul's answer is once again, no, 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 no. God forbid, he says in Romans 11, God hasn't cast away his people. In essence, he's saying he's just postponed his promises. In this day and age, he is building his church. When the church is raptured, God will then again turn his attention to Israel and he will make sure that he fulfills every promise to the Jew. God is faithful to Israel. And that's why we sang, great is thy faithfulness. If he could break one promise to them, then he can break a promise to you and then you have no God because God is lying. Paul says, don't even let it empty your mind that God would go back on his word. There's an old saying that goes something like this. If you always tell me the truth, I can always believe you. But if you lie to me just once, I can never believe you. It is certainly wonderful to know that God has never lied and that we can always believe His Word. Even when we are unfaithful, He remains faithful. It was a pleasure to have you with us today for another Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We at Verse by Verse Ministries believe that expository or verse by verse preaching is the best way to communicate God's Word objectively and completely. We are a faith ministry supported by listeners like you who we hope are first faithful to their own churches. 
For parents who live in the Clearwater area, you may be interested to know that Lakeside operates one of the finest Christian schools in the area. To learn more, visit their website, lakesidechristianschool.org, or you can call them at 727-461-3311. That number again is 727-461-3311. Today's lesson was the middle part of a three-part message. To hear the entire message, you can order a CD or a cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. If you would like to go back and listen again to today's class, or you know someone who would benefit from hearing it, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download it for later. The same is true for the previous programs available on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. If by doing something intrinsically wrong, such as stealing or lying, I can accomplish something good, does that make it okay? In other words, does the end justify the means? Many people this day would say yes. We will see what God says on the next verse-by-verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff leads us in our continuing series of lessons from the Book of Romans. This is Peter Silseth. I hope to see you then. Deepening your faith. So many times we're not in position for our breakthrough because when we should be sitting and serving, we're searching. The blessings of God will chase you down. So you've got to be in position and say, you know what? I'm going to settle myself. I'm going to serve God. Faith Talk 570 and 910-WTBN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.